0: The epistle for this 8th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, that we should live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For whoever are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now You have not received a spirit of bondage so as to be again in fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by virtue of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself gives testimony to our spirit that we are sons of God. But if we are sons, we are heirs also, heirs indeed of God and joint heirs with Christ. Please stand for the Gospel. The Gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. At that time, Jesus spoke to his disciples this parable there was a certain rich man who had a steward who was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear of thee? Make an accounting of thy stewardship, for thou canst be steward no longer. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do, seeing that my master is taking away the stewardship from me? To dig I am not able, to beg I am ashamed. I know what I shall do. That when I am removed from my stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And he summoned each of his master's debtors and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred jars of oil. He said to him, Take thy bond and sit down at once and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred cores of wheat. He said to him, Take thy bond and write eighty. And the master commended the unjust steward in that he had acted prudently, for the children of this world in relation to their own generation are more prudent than the children of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves with the mammon of wickedness, so that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting dwellings. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Dear Faithful, dear Reverend Father, dear Reverend Father Pfeiffer, the time has come to speak about our home state of Kentucky, our old Kentucky home, and tell a little story about Kentucky. In the early days of this country, before this country even became a country, you know that many people immigrated here from England. And when they settled, there were among those Englishmen, certain number of them, a small percentage of them, who were Catholic. And Naturally, they wanted to practice their Catholic faith freely here in this land. They had suffered persecution from the English government for 200 years and were looking forward to the opportunity to practice their faith without fear of losing their property or even losing their lives. And so one of those Catholics... Cecil Calvert, the second Lord Baltimore, established a colony of Catholics. The name of that colony was Maryland. Maryland. And in Maryland at that time, this is before the United States were constituted, um, we're talking about the late 1600s, those Catholics were were able to, to be Catholic, to live their faith. But Shortly thereafter, it's kind of ironic, the Puritans took up arms against these Catholics. These Puritans who were also fleeing religious persecution by coming to the United States, then turned around and exercised religious persecution against the Catholics who were here. They took up arms against the Catholics in Maryland, and as early as 1704, Catholicism was outlawed in Maryland, and the Catholics were prohibited from operating schools there. So what were they to do? They had come all this way. They had practiced their religion freely and now that was taken away from them. Some of these Catholics got together and they said, we need to move. We need to find some way in this huge massive new land to be able to live our Catholic faith. And as I say, some of these families banded together. They formed a league. They said, we pledge ourselves to move, to relocate in this vast country. And they decided to relocate to Kentucky, specifically three rural counties in Kentucky, Marion, Nelson, and Washington counties. And because of their presence there as their colony, their new colony, grew, Pope Pius VII decided to make Bardstown, Kentucky, the first inland diocese for the united states and he appointed the frenchman father joseph flagey to be its first bishop bishop flagey put so much effort into building up the catholic presence in that area by starting seminaries a seminary and a monastery opening convents opening schools that the region eventually earned the name of the kentucky holy land and These were decisions, dear Father, that that your and and my ancestors made. Sacrifices that they made in order to be able to continue practicing the Catholic faith. These are decisions that were made hundreds of years ago that determined, to a certain degree, our own lives because of the fact that, well, Father Pfeiffer grew up in Nelson County and my grandfather grew up in a very poor home in washington county in that very catholic area of kentucky and so it happened that these people were able to preserve their catholic faith for themselves for their children for their grandchildren for their great-grandchildren the years go by we can say the centuries go by so we come to the 20th century and People like myself and Father Pfeiffer coming into this world and are given the Catholic faith. But of course, as you know, there was a huge revolution in the church in the 1960s and the 1970s. And once again, those Catholics in Kentucky were forced to make a choice when they saw their faith being taken away from them and they saw their Catholic identity being betrayed. What were they going to do when they saw thousands of people leaving the Catholic faith? And they're presented with with a liturgy that does not properly represent the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the very essence of, of our Catholic faith. They had to make difficult decisions. They were being refused the privilege of, well, living the integral Catholic life. Um, by this time, not Puritans, but By Catholics. Some people were forced into submission and just sort of hobbled along. Many people left the church. And yes, there were so many priests and nuns as well who who lost their faith at that time. But this is not what your grandparents did, Father. This is not what my grandparents did at that time. They had to make crucial, important decisions for the future of their faith. And I'm talking about 50 years ago, over 50 years ago, these decisions had to be made. Just like those Catholics who had to say, well, we're gonna have to pick up our stakes and we're gonna have to move somewhere else so that we can preserve the most important thing in our life, the Catholic faith. Our grandparents made the decision that they would hold on to the traditional catechism the traditional mass and traditional Catholic morality. At great cost, they made these decisions. Their decisions changed our lives. Their decisions made our lives, we can say. If we are where we are today, if, if I'm a priest, if father is a priest, it was partly due, largely due to these efforts of our grandparents to maintain the Catholic faith I don't so much ask myself whether I'd be a priest today. I ask myself whether I would even have the faith today. If my grandparents hadn't made the decisions they made, if if your grandparents hadn't made the decisions they made, I want to commend your grandparents, dear Father, for their great decision to hold on to tradition in an era of incredible confusion in our beloved church. They are the successors of those great Catholics of old, really, over the course of thousands of years, these decisions have had to be made when, when persecution has struck for Catholics. We are a religion of persecution. Our founder was persecuted and put to death. He predicted persecution to the apostles at the Last Supper. He identified it even as a certain mark for Catholicism. That has been our history, and it's, it's forced Catholics throughout the ages to make crucial decisions to See, what can we do in, in these circumstances? What can we do to rise to the occasion and make sure that the future will, will be a future wherein the Catholic faith will be maintained by us, by our children, by our grandchildren, by our great-grandchildren? If the flame of the faith has been kept going up to this point in 2023, if there is still Catholicism in this world today, It is because of people like that, because of people who are willing to make these sacrifices. Dear Father, your ordination, it gives us hope that this effort is going to continue, that this effort is going to be taken to the next generation. The story has to keep going. Our Catholic story, our Catholic history that has been written, it has to continue to be written. Our forefathers have written their chapters Now it's the time for us to write our chapter. We have the pen in our hands. We have to make sure that we write the chapter well so that the next chapter will be prepared, that it also can be written. This is what we have given our life for, dear Father, by our ordination. We have given our life in order to make sure that the faith continues. We want it to continue. We want to put in the same effort That our grandparents put in and if possible even even more effort by giving our very lives now by your ordination you you have this mission you have this mission to uphold the faith of others to sustain their faith in a world that's gone crazy you have that same mission that was given to the Apostles by our Lord to preach the gospel to all nations to conquer the world for our Lord Jesus Christ and now, by your ordinations, now, by the imposition of the hands of the bishop, you have the power, you have the means to execute that mission, to write that chapter. What are those means? Well, first of all, this Mass, this Mass which we, which we cherish so much, which is the main thing that sustains us, the main thing that gives us the power to hold on to the faith, to to hold on to the state of grace, to, to keep our souls in a state of, of readiness to meet our Lord Jesus Christ, to be faithful to our Lord. This Mass, of course, we hold on to because it is the proper representation of the sacrifice of the Mass. One of the things that Archbishop Lefebvre tells us in our statutes is that the sacrifice of the Mass is apostolic. We we get our appetite for maintaining the faith, for holding on to the faith, from primarily from the mass. Why? Because of the fact that our Lord died for our sins so that we could be sanctified and get to heaven. And now He's given to us this sacrament of the Mass by by which we we represent, we we renew the sacrifice of Calvary. If him dying on the cross was primarily for the salvation of souls, for for souls to know the truth, to live by the truth, to save their souls. Then the Mass itself, which is the renewal of that sacrifice of Calvary, does the same thing. It is apostolic. It seeks to save souls. It seeks to confer upon souls the merits of our Lord, the, to wash them with the blood of our Lord. And we priests, we, we are his instruments for bringing the fruits of his sacrifice to the world. Only priests can say Mass. The only way you, would, you can get the fruits of the Mass is if there is a priest who's given his life and who is celebrating that Mass. The Mass, dear Father, is now your life. You are now by your consecration, you, you are identified with the Mass as a priest of Jesus Christ. You are identified with Jesus Christ. You are identified with the primary act of his life, which is the Mass. And your close contact with the Mass, your, your living of the Mass is what will give you that apostolic spirit to conquer the world for Christ, to bring these souls to Christ. Our founder as Archbishop Lefebvre, he tells us that, that this must be our obsession as priests. We, we must have this desire to conquer the world for our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for a priest, there could be no other ideal, no other motto than that of our holy patron, St. Pius X, to restore all things in Christ. We have to be practically obsessed by that necessity, but that need to meditate on the mystery of our Lord and to spread his reign. We have no other goal, no other reason for being priest than to bring about the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I speak of, of conquering the world. You may think that I'm using hyperbole. I'm kind of exaggerating, but but I'm not joking, I'm not joking about conquering the world. You know that we can be sent anywhere. You can be sent anywhere in the world. Just in, in August, one of our priests is being transferred from St. Louis to Sri Lanka. You are being stationed, first of all, in the United States, dear Father, in, in Syracuse But of course, it it doesn't mean that you couldn't be sent anywhere else in the world at at any time. Our apostolate extends the world over. And well, it seems like our superiors like to station priests from Kentucky here in Denver, so we may see you here in Denver one, one of these days. There's been a lot of Kentucky priests here in Denver. You have another means for the preservation For of the faith of the souls entrusted to you that I think is important to mention in our day. And this is the the living of a life of virginity, the living of the state of celibacy, so necessary for our world that is so flooded with impurity. Recall how, again, Archbishop Lefebvre tells us in our statutes that our lady is the one who gives us the motive for our virginity. Why, why do we have to live this state of life? If I want to be a priest, why do I have to live in this way? Well, we see that our lady had to prepare herself for the coming of our Lord, for this union with our Lord Jesus Christ by being pure, by being a virgin, by being detached from material things. And this, this made her ready in a certain sense for the Incarnation, for our Lord to come into our womb. And if the priest is, is a man who, who must go up to the altar, and he, he has to so identify himself with our Lord that he's offering the very same sacrifice as our Lord, then he has to be like Our Lady. If he's going to call down Our Lord upon the altar, he has to be pure like Our Lady. As I say, this is a very important witness in our world that needs to be sanctified by being made more spiritual, a world drowned in impurity. And, and of course, as well, when, when so many churchmen today, they, they just excuse impurity. They, they, they come across as if it's not a big deal if you're divorced and remarried, or if you're uh, engaging in some unnatural sins of lust, that they tend to condone these sorts of sins. As a priest, dear Father, you will have this beautiful experience of baptizing, of marrying, of, of burying all of all of these souls, teaching students in our schools, becoming part of the lives of faithful Catholics and unfaithful Catholics. It's so in that way you will keep the flame going. And as, as the years pass by in your priesthood, and you get old like me, you will start to see the effects of your priesthood, you will see the children of of couples that you have married growing up and keeping the faith. You will hear about this or that parishioner of of a chapel that that you serviced dying with the last sacraments, dying a holy death. You will learn that a boy you counseled at a boys' camp or a girl that you taught in a religion class is now pursuing a vocation. In sort, you will see over over the long haul that our Lord is using you as an instrument to maintain the faith of our fathers in this generation, in this day, passing it on to the next generation. This is the vocation that you have chosen. This is the great work of your life to write the next chapter. So my dear faithful, partly due to the decisions of our ancestors, our Kentucky ancestors, we have another priest from Kentucky, ordained for the Society of St. Pius X. As fellow Kentuckians, Father, let us be faithful to the example of our ancestors. Let us play our part in the promotion of the reign of Christ the King in our age so that our spiritual children one day may have the strength to continue a legacy that they have received from us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.